minutes, 25 seconds. 20 seconds and counting. T-minus 15 seconds, guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9, ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0, all engine running. Liftoff, we have a liftoff, 32 minutes past the hour. as Apollo 11 does its roll program, this podcast now does its roll program. The tape is rolling. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. My name is Grant Cameron, and you're listening to the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. Thank you for taking time from your life to be here. All right, uh, I'm going to bring in uh, Courtney Marcassani here because I know she wants to get in uh, with you here and say, "Hey, how you doing, Grant? Long time no see, Grant. Oh my God, how, you doing? how are you? Fantastic. What is that background? Are you like in like oh, Malibu yeah. in some rich person's palatial house trying, this week, or what's going on? I was trying to load a different background, but it wouldn't let me load unless I. Very I, cool. So I had to go back to the piano. I'm. I don't play. I don't play. I wrote a book on music, but I have no musical ability at all. I can't play anything. Well, um, I just wanted to jump in and say I was listening to the list of all the experiences, experiencers that you were talking about. I didn't know how Put Off Sun was an experiencer. So that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, he had a sighting right after the um, uh, about a week or two weeks after the in Phoenix, after the Phoenix Lights saying. Oh, seriously. And there's it was a rumor that Hal put off Phoenix, is an experience. Phoenix Lights. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. And there, there's, an, there's a rumor that Hal put off is an experience or two, but I've never heard that confirmed that he's. Uh... Well, I mentioned this on Dave's program um, a couple times now, but at the Soul Symposium, you'll find this interesting. And I'm sure it's a fact that you probably knew a long time ago, but I didn't. Leslie Keene was interviewing him and she was asking him about this like litmus test they did with uh, people who were in the special access programs and they gave them surveys and they were like positive nine, negative nine about disclosure and these specific topics and suggested topics. And if disclosure happened and Hal Putoff answered it and said he was so surprised that all the surveys were overwhelmingly negative. And this was back in like 2004 and that the government said that, you know, administered the survey, there will be no full disclosure um, because of the IRADs back then in 2004. Now I figure you knew that, but I had never heard it before. No, no, no. it doesn't surprise me though. I mean, it doesn't surprise me. It's that, that's, that was a good, you were at the conference. That was at the soul symposium. That was at the yeah. conference and it was during a Q and a and Larry uh, McGuire, your Canadian, uh, your yeah. Canadian representative was, was also there answering questions alongside how put off. And Leslie Keene was the was the person asking, posing the questions. That That's one of the positive things I would say that um, when you get uh, people like that all gathering together and Stanford University backing the thing, we're, we're making some headway. Oh, you would have loved it. When Jacques Vallée did his uh, presentation, he showed SRI early days with the UFO program with all the people that were there, Dick Haynes, Bruce Maccabee himself, and you know all the early like pioneers and progenitors of the UFO um, program. 
at SRI. It was really cool. I hope eventually those photos will come out. Maybe he has them somewhere else, but they were in his presentation and it was really neat to see. Wow. Yeah, that was yeah. a big con that was a big conference. And that's that's a big changer where you get that many high level people. Uh, that things have changed and people don't realize that unless you've been in it a long time, you don't realize how big the change has been. People think it's always yeah, well, been like this. And it's like, and I don't want to interrupt you guys with, you know, your, like your breakdown of your year. So those are just a couple of things I wanted to jump in and tell Grant since wow. he brought up yeah. output off. Well, no problem because you'll be here uh, for the next hour anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, to be here with Grant is like, I'm just so tickled. You know? I know. I know. He does that to me too. He tickles me every time he sees me. <laughs> All right. This is our family. That's that's what you got to realize is that, uh, you know, if the, if the soul group thing is right, when we come in and make agreements or whatever, these, these are our family. These are people we relate to. They, your friends and relatives, they all just look at you like they don't say anything, but they, they're, they're not really that interested. It's like this. They, these yeah. are the people that that excite you and get you uh, thinking. And uh, they may be we all made agreement before we came here that we were all going to share in this thing and we were going to take the biggest story of all times the super bowl we we're going to play in the super bowl and we we're going to we we're going to score a touchdown and uh most people don't even know there's a game going on well and i don't know if most people know this but i'm going to say this because i have floated this around and grant i haven't told it to you but i have floated it around to a few people in the community who have um had you as an influence in their life as an experiencer and so i was talking to specifically bob mcguire and we were in new york city Oh yeah. In 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 I don't know, it was a year ago probably. Maybe it's over a year now and we were talking and we were talking about you specifically and I said, "Well, I think Grant is a an activator. Someone who activates, you know what I mean, positive yeah. higher thoughts and experiencers and then other events happen and synchronicities and Bob was like, "Absolutely." And he wasn't the only one. I asked like two or three people and so I was just curious before we move on, did you know that about yourself? Like have you been told that by other people in the community about this? you know, activating um, influence that you have in, in, in experiencers. No, but I, they, I do have the synchronicity with, with people, with events, where yeah. when I look back and I go like, this absolutely makes total sense. It, like yeah. the Michael Newton, accidentally walking into Michael Newton's lecture, that absolutely flipped my life up. I would never read the books and, and I just happened to run into his lecture. Things like that, where you look back and you go like, this is all planned. There's There's no way it wasn't planned. It's yeah. just bizarre, bizarre. So it is it is a thing where uh, you see these back connections that it's, it's it's there's a lot of stuff going on in the background that we may have made agreements to and 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 know about. And then we've gone through the river of forgetfulness and we we don't really see it until you look back on it through your life. And then then it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Let's get to an audience question here, Grant. And Courtney, uh, uh, Mr. UFO whistleblowers is asking, what scares the control group of all this? <laughs> Not having control, I guess. <laughs> it's like, uh, well, the, I think it's like every, I believe everybody's trying to save the world. I mean, we always say like, there's, there's good guys and there's bad guys. We're the good guys we know, and they're the bad guys and they know. No, no, I, I don't believe it. I think they think they're the good guys too. It's like if you get raised in China, you would see a world a different way if you're raised in Russia or whatever. And I believe, because that's what Walker was saying to us. And he was adamant because we kept saying to Walker, we said, come on, you're an old man now. You knew everything. You were there when the cover-up started. You knew everything. It's your chance. And he, he and I thought he would leave it, his files. And and he, we knew he had a file on us. He had this file because he would send from one researcher to another. He'd photocopy stuff, make little snide comments and send them to another researcher. So we knew he had this file. 
And then when he died, we went to his son, who was a, a medical doctor. And his son said, yeah, there was a file. He said, yeah, there was a file. And he said, when I went to move the files to Penn State University to the archives, he said the file was gone. So at the very end, he's like saluted, did his job, destroyed the file, handed it back in. And that's why I, I, this idea was Walker was not a bad guy. Walker just had a belief that he was saving the world right, against Russia or China, whatever the, the scenario. So I think the, the people in, in the control group actually think they're they're saving the world. They're, they, I think everybody thinks they're saving the world. And it's just your impression of how you, you see the world and who are the good guys and bad guys. And it all comes down to this idea of separation versus oneness where they, they, if they're in, big into separation, then they're going to do crazy things. If you're into oneness, then you're not going to bomb your grandchildren and your children. You're going to, you know, try to, you know, ad advance the whole thing. So. All right. Great answer. Courtney, do you want to hop in on that or no? Yeah, no, I think there's definitely fear and it seems to be, and this is kind of sad to say, but it definitely seems like consciousness is being, um, you know, a main central part of that. And they don't really want to go into what consciousness is. And I think that because of some of the whistleblower testimony that came about, there are things that touch on that. And you, you hear about the military industrial complex being involved with the cover up. And I've brought this up a couple of different times that it shouldn't be the military industrial complex um, gatekeepers that keep the secrets about consciousness. This is for all of humanity. We should know about it. We should know about the breakthroughs. It's our taxpayers, U.S. taxpayer dollars that are being spent on this. And it's not just about money and whatever secret tech. If consciousness is involved, that involves everyone. That's humanity. So I think that's one of the reasons. I think that's one of the big reasons that consciousness is involved. And so much you hear about in these books and the controllers and the CIA and other with misinformation or disinformation, they keep talking about um, these occult concepts that are also involved with it. And so I think another reason why the controllers are keeping all of that um, suppressed is because it's a big part of it. And that's also involved with consciousness. And I don't think that they want to reveal what that is. And and they, and every, everything is neutral. So whether it's water, can you can drown someone or, or save them or whatever, consciousness will be neutral. And they see it as a as a way to develop weapons to control people and stuff. I even have with the with the apport thing. People think you know, most people never even heard of the word like apport manifestation stuff, where stuff at Skinwalker Ranch, and they think, oh, it started at Skinwalker Ranch. And I I post a document from 1974 from the DIA, and that's why DIA went to Skinwalker Ranch, not for the UFOs. They went for all this weird stuff. They wanted to militarize it and use it for weapons. And 1974 document says if we could we could get this thing of moving stuff through metal surfaces or through hard surfaces, we could learn how to apport things. We could go to the enemy, go in the vault, take the documents out, bring them back to Washington, photocopy them, go back and put them back in the vault and they'd never know we were there. So everything everything to them is, can we use it for military technology? And the right. way they worked it is World War II, the way it worked in World War II is they had so many inventions. There was 200 inventions, nylon, plastic explosives, rubber, uh, atomic uh, bombs, jet engines and it works so well that they said let's keep it going and so they they get the, the funding it used to be uh universities got the funding they get the funding and then you'd get the the thing and the, the one they always bring up is gps if it weren't for us with gps you wouldn't have gps so it's like we're going to use it first we're going to kill some people with it and do whatever and then you get the spin-off and, and technology gets advanced and everybody's gotten used to that oh yeah we've got this technology and it's all because of the military so it goes to the military first they get all the money 
It's like an $886 billion defense budget. That's insane. There's insane. so much money and, and they control it. And they're not about to shut down like Lockheed Skunk Works. People talk about Lockheed Skunk Works. The, the market cap for Lockheed Skunk Works is $110 billion. There's no way they're going to shut down Lockheed Skunk Works. This we just saw it. We just saw it in the last legislative session. We just saw it, that that was one of the biggest barriers to having eminent domain in the damn language. But I want to go back to what you said about ports, because I think you're right that most people don't know about ports, but it's a cultural thing too. It's a cultural phenomenon. And I wrote about this in the Bix paper about how a ports will appear sometimes during certain people's like psychic and spiritual development yeah. as signs. And we both know this because uh, Stanley Krippner, Stanley Krippner talked about it. And that was his work, you know, early work out of Saybrook when he was talking about these cultural phenomenon and apports were part of that. But people don't recognize it because they don't typically have the experience. But in some cultures, they do where things appear as luck or signs of fortune or even yeah. connected with like lucid dreaming and expansiveness, kind of like as a sign to go in a certain direction, they'll get an apport. And it's connected. Well, so it's crazy to look at it from a militaristic perspective when culturally this has been happening for a long yeah. time and being talked about. And then the military has this as part of it. People just don't make that connection because it's too bizarre. It's the cognitive dissonance. It's and, too strange. And then you get, you get the synchronicities with the apports as well, which where I look back and I see there's no way this was chance because I, I talked to Kripner and no he says, well, time someone did a, a book on apports and he had this thing where he had all the apports from the from the psychic in Brazil and then someone broke into his house and stole them all. So he he's on an interview with uh, Jeff Mishlov and he says, oh, I decided my next ones, he said, I would keep them safe. So I sent them to a university in Canada and, and it's the University of Manitoba and I go, What's the chances of that? Crazy. It's absolutely so crazy. The connection. I actually saw that. I saw that interview you did with him. I was like, wow, it, the plot thickens. That's just bizarre. It's just totally and you bizarre. You look back and you go, oh, now it makes sense. But when you're looking forward, you don't really see it. But looking back, no. it's, it makes sense. He wrote about it also in a book called um, A Psychiatrist in Bali. And so in that book that Stanley Krippner, he wasn't the one writer, but he was basically like co-authoring and helping as a psychiatrist, talking about the cultural aspect of healers that would get rings, apports yeah. that would come through as rings, and then they would use them and the spirits would guide them and how to use them for healing practices traditional healing practices. So one woman in that book, she received a set of rings that she would use on her patient's bodies in Valley. And the other guy also got a coin. It was an apport that came through. It was through a dream. And he woke up in the morning and the coin was in his bed. And it was basically a sign to say, you can go ahead. This is a fortunate sign to build your house. Because in his culture, he couldn't build a certain type of house. But in the dream, it was guiding him to do it. And the coin was another like physical apport manifestation saying, Yes, you can. So it sometimes is like a linchpin of breaking through certain types of cultural thoughts and belief systems to push beyond that and manifest different reality. And that, that would be your job and my job. So the military is doing their thing and they can do whatever they want. I mean, right. that's what it is. It's, it's, it's plus minus. It's, it balances out. Your job and my job is to push the real story. Of, right. of of this the spiritual connection and the, yes. the synchronicities and everything's connected and stuff and just keep pushing it and, and not let them uh dominate the whole thing they i think we're getting getting some ground but uh that that's our job and maybe that's what we decided that we would come in and we'd go up against this and they would they would play the one role we'll play the other role and it's a game and we'll just uh move it along it's not like we win and they lose or or whatever it's it's a it's a process and and we agreed to come in and, and move this message down the road and i think it's an important message but it's up to us to uh do what we can to get it out 
I agree. I think that the, the scary thing right now, just from a news perspective, after the Schumer Amendment and what happened to that and seeing the power players and the powers that be and what that ended up being and the and the discussion that's happening now post, yeah. you know, um, President Biden sign off. I'm I'm really concerned at the way some of the narrative is being negative. Are you seeing that, too? Or do you think this is just a continual thing of the negative you know, the Asuras, you know, the the different beings, the jinn, you know, which Semivan talks about, you know, these spirits that are kind of coming into the dimension. I'm seeing a lot more of that, like more frequency of that type of narrative, which some people would say, well, that's Greer talking and that's, you know, Project Bluebeam coming. Are you seeing those kind of shaping up that way or do you separate that as? I, I've never really looked at unknown? that. I, I really don't know. I've not really looked at that aspect. Okay. To me, I always see it just as a as a, a thing of how the the government works. That certain people knew how to play the game, and uh, they ended up winning. And we ended up farther behind than we were before because before it wasn't law. Now it's law where they don't have to do anything. They control right. all this stuff, and and uh, they they basically have won. But again, it'll come to uh, the whistleblowers and the people on the on the on this on the ground who just keep pushing and have done a fantastic job over the last couple of years that I, I never, never in my life would have believed that this would have happened. The, the way this thing is unraveled so quickly and and with such uh, uh, huge amounts of material that that I didn't know. I, uh, the completely different world. I, I didn't know anything about the psychic stuff. I didn't know the spiritual component. I didn't know any of that sort of... To me, in 75, it was straight. That thing I was watching, that could be an extraterrestrial. It's like, wow, this is pretty cool, you know? And a couple of years, <laughs> we'll figure this out. And completely different world. Completely. I feel you. I feel you on the transformation. Yeah. And and uh, to me, I'm always honored this idea that I got to play this game. I mean, I always said you could be an untouchable in the streets of Calcutta and spend your days in a junkyard looking for something valuable enough for, for food. We got to play this game, this, this game of coming in at this particular time with this absolutely, if you realize the message, you realize this is... Not, not more just UFOs. It's major message, how reality works, why we're here, where we're going. That's what it's about. I will say this as we got two minutes to go. I do see a lot of people out there really trying to tie this to Armageddon. Anything that's coming out of the sky. It seems like we're on another Armageddon cook or, or kick here. Uh, Grant, your thoughts? Fear cells. Fear cells. It's simple. It's like... <laughs> It's, it's, you get that and then you get the commercials, you know, buy gold, but buy, buy, buy silver, you know, buy your guns and uh, get 25 years of food. And, and that, that stuff works. It's, it's dominated. It's, it's big in, in present society. And, and uh, you know, you have even these scary stories that Chris Bledsoe talks about that there's people inside the Pentagon who wanted to actually instigate like a nuclear exchange because they believed Armageddon had to happen and they were going to move it down the road. I mean, that, that kind of stuff is like, wow. But then now I hear that these guys have all died off. So I don't I don't really know. It's always going to be a thing of, against fear, uh, fear and separation versus the idea of love and oneness. It's always going to be the, the same thing. That's always said. Everything that is evil in the modern world is created by one thing and one thing only, the mistaken belief in separation. It's the basic bottom line message, I think, that the beings are talking about that, uh, you know, spiritual stuff is talking about this oneness. Remember who you actually are. Love it. Grant Cameron, it has been a pleasure once again to have you on Spaced Out Radio right through. Next time, bring Courtney on for the whole thing. We have good conversations here. <laughs> well, I'm just glad I caught you, Grant. I was like, when he said, come on a little earlier, I was like, oh, yes, yes, yes. I'll be there. I'll be there.
Yeah. Wonderful. Well, it's always a good time with you. And, and Grant, thank you so much for being not only a friend, but a mentor of mine. Uh, you were one of the greatest in this field. And I have so much love and admiration for you, my friend. And I cannot wait to speak with you in 2024. Beautiful. And you've done a fantastic job. And same with you, Courtney. And uh, thanks for being part of my life. Uh, let's have a drink now, shall we? We're going to say goodnight to Grant Cameron. Okay. Hello to Courtney Marcassani in hour number three with the final UFO report for next week. Can we change that calendar? Spaced Out Radio continues right after this. Stay tuned. All right, we are clear. Okay, so I'll zip zip along. It's one in the morning here, so let's do it again. Or let's, uh, yeah, I love this. This is a bit different where you got sort of a round table going. And, and Courtney's pretty knowledgeable. She's, <laughs> she's got Jesus smarty pants. <laughs> I, I learned everything from Grant. I always tell everybody that, that they're like, <laughs> yeah. well, well, after your experience, like who, you know, who did you reach out to for support? I'm always like Grant Cameron. And they're like, <laughs> Grant Cameron, huh? I was like, oh yeah, he was, he was the one. And there's, there's really not that many people who are doing what you're doing or I'm doing or say Chris Bledsoe with that thing where you're looking at this spiritual consciousness aspect. Most people, it's like you mentioned consciousness and it's like they just their eyes roll back. It's, yeah, I'll be right back, guys. If you yeah, guys they kind of they kind of bug out when you say consciousness is central to the whole thing. I mean, I think there are certain people that are definitely uh, addressing it or at least acknowledging it, but they don't recognize that it's the underpinning that it's the main underpinning. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's sort of moving in. Like when I did the sky pilot thing, I mean, and then I heard Lekatsky come out and say, oh the, the, the phenomena is partly physical and partly psychic. And I went, wow. I never thought I would hear him say that. It's like, but wow. you've been saying it for like, and, and, what? I mean, and, at least 20, probably at least and, 20 and, years. And I don't when, know how long you've been saying it, but I never since when, I started tuning into you, you were saying that. But, but, but when he, but then when people talk about his story, they don't mention that. They only mention the part we got a craft and we've been inside the craft. And it's like, what about the rest of the story? What about the, the fact that he's just like, so and I think it's that, like I think that would change out. everything. I is, know. Is, if you got a confirmation, like we got the 2017 New York Times comment, and everybody's waiting for the New York Times to say something or the president. And if it comes out where the president stands up or the New York Times has said there's a, there's a spiritual psychic component to this thing. I think it just all, it all collapse. And then it's the same thing. It's like, oh, it's for real. It's like, you know, I, I spent all that money on $50,000 a year at MIT and, and they, I got scammed. Like, are you kidding I me? Know. It, and that you have it within you and that it's within you or that there are certain times in your life, like where, it, you know, it's in abundance and you start to see it, but it's about paying attention to it and developing it. I mean, that was the thing I asked Gary Nolan after we talked, I talked with yeah. him years before. And I said, you know, like, can this be developed? You know, the intuitive part that you're looking at yeah. with the study, you know, with the Kade Patanin and the experiencers. Yeah. And he's like, well, we don't know, you know, he was really delicate. And I was like, <laughs> come on, you know, yeah. like, I know that, you know, stuff. And, but he was willing to like go and explore different ideas about why the Kade Patanin was thickened. But, you know, the other thing that I picked up on, it was probably like, a year after in the same conversation I had with him, he said that a postgraduate had replicated their study 
and okay. he had helped out with it. And they started looking into like schizophrenia and autism and this thing called sensory gating. And now I saw a clip today, and this is four years, almost four years later, that he was quoted as saying, we're looking at schizophrenia and autism and sensory gating. And I'm just like, it's just taking so much time, you know, for the waiting game for people to to get the information. And I don't know why that is, but I saw that today and I was like, okay, it's still it's still in the research. But, but he's still going back where I would disagree with him. He's still going back to the, the cardiopitamin or whatever. It's sort of like there's a physical thing causing the psychic thing. Exactly. And, so, and it's it's a it's it's a cor correlation, but it's not causation. And, right. and I don't know if you saw I posted I, I went after him because he made this statement. He said, I don't know how it works, but I don't know if there's little elves in my head, but I know how to make it work. And he tells a story about he he thinks out the problem and then he puts a piece of paper beside the bed and he wakes up yes. in the morning and the idea is in his head or the next yes. day. So I said, can I quote you? And then he said, yeah, he said. So he made up this thing. He says, I put it on a, on a, on a board and I put the little strings in my head between attach all the ideas. And then I completely forget about it. And he said, within a couple of days, the answer comes in my head. And that's that's the, the important part that he realizes this idea that there's this very powerful thing that's going on, whatever it is. He said, I don't know if it's elves or what it is, but I know how to make it work. And that's the whole deal. Same with Tim Taylor. Tim Taylor goes to sleep for eight hours. And then he gets up and then he he uh, he goes back to bed for an hour. Then he gets a glass of water and he sits in the sun. And he starts drinking the water and the beings start talking to him. And they've got these these protocols and they know this thing. Yes, uh, it, it, you see these guys, and and it sort of validates the fact that some of these people know some stuff, and it's they not do. you know little crafts and engines and stuff like that. It's this weird component that is the basis of this whole thing, and they know where where I heard that you know Tim Taylor had converted to Catholicism, and I went, "What? Are you kidding me?" And it's like because he had been warned by 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 the beings had warned through Whitley Strieber that he had to straighten his life out. And it's like, you hear this stuff and you go like, wow. And you don't realize these very powerful people know what's going on. Yes, they they're, do. They're not talking about it. I guess they'll, they'll talk to me or they'll, they'll hint to you or something, but they don't really talk publicly. And then when they start doing it, it'll all change. The whole thing will start to move. I know. And that's what I was a little bit disappointed with the soul symposium. I was kind of hoping there would be a little bit yeah. more of that rich storytelling from the experiencer's perspective, yeah. but it wasn't, it was mostly just all business, business, business. Yeah. And there were experiencers in the audience. So I went to Whitley after in the first night and I said, are you a little disheartened? Cause we were, we were both, we were both in Houston together at the archives of the impossible. And I, and he asked the same exact question then that which was like two years ago where he was like, there's no, there doesn't seem to be any structure or infrastructure set up for experiencer, you know, acknowledging their stories and anecdotal information, which is certainly data. And they didn't really answer it. But Jacques Vallée did somewhat to some degree in his presentation. But anyway, I was like following up with him and I said, are you a little disheartened? And he's like, yeah, because they don't, yeah. they're not including us in all this money and tech and you know, they're not including us. We have 10 seconds. Grant, you sticking around or you got to go? No, he's, we, I'll stick he's, around. Yeah. Cause I, okay. I, I want to add something to this comment. I got to add something to this. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now back to Dave Scott and SOR. We're going to continue the UFO talk with Grant Cameron and Courtney Marcusani here on spaced out radio in hour number three. And, you know, we're going to skip ATM for tonight. 
Steve Stockton from Among the Missing, because we're deep into this UFO talk. Reminder to all of you, as we say hello to our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on TalkStream Live and KPNL and Odyssey Radio, that uh, we're here seven days a week for your listening entertainment. Our website, spacedoutradio.com, we have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the news wire, check out our swag as well. And don't forget, the Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Basemain. Basemain is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Here we go. Grant Cameron, Courtney Marcusani having a heated discussion during the break about what's going on <laughs> in the UFO world. And my gosh, I guess it's going to continue here in hour three. I'm just going to let you guys go. Courtney, what, what was the conversation? It was me saying to Whitley Strieber at the end of the first long day at the Soul Symposium, I was recalling our, uh, you know, being in the audience at the Archives of the Impossible, right, which was this huge academic conference where they're talking about the anomalous. And he had pretty much asked the same question, which is, what are the academics, the scientists, the researchers doing for experiencers, essentially? The data that they bring, their stories, the anecdotal, you know, evidence, and that there are patterns within that. And there hasn't been a good answer. So I asked Whitley, are you disheartened, you know, at the first day of, of Seoul? And he was like, yes, I am disheartened because there doesn't seem to be any progress or moving forward about experiencer issues and the experiencers seem to be being neglected. So that was his short answer. But I did see a couple people at the Inquirer Anomalous in New York and they said, yes, but there were experiencers in the audience at the Soul Symposium. And so that makes us feel good. And that's not good enough for me. Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, I can add one thing that. to that because I, I worked at a university for 40 years. I wasn't a professor, but I worked like a bartender for first couple of years when I was going to university or whatever. And I dealt with them and they're just the same as everybody else. I was never uh, uh, blown away by academics because I, I knew them when they were drinking. I mean, I, they're just ordinary people and they're specialized in their field. And one of the things I, I realized was everybody wants to always play the skeptic game. If you're a scientist and there's no scientist to me, you're, you're, you're a, a physicist who uses a scientific method. You're a chemist who uses the scientific method. They say we're scientists, which means we can talk about any field, even though you've been in the chemistry building and that's all you've done for your whole life is chemistry. We, we'll talk about UFOs. We're an expert. No, you're not an expert. But one of the things I realized is scientists always want to play the skeptical game. And I said, when I looked at Descartes, Descartes said, you can be skeptical. Yes. Be skeptical about what you know, or like Mark Twain says, it's not the things that you don't know that get you in trouble. It's the things you know that just ain't so. And it's so they play the skeptic thing. And there's a good story. You, you, I don't know if you know the story about Roland Griffith. So Roland Griffith ran the uh, the psilocybin research at John Hopkins for yes. like 20 years. And he's yes. got this massive grant or whatever. And suddenly he gets diagnosed with stage four, stage four <laughs> colon cancer. And 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 they ask him, they say, hey, did you actually did you actually get uh, go, take uh, uh, psilocybin uh, to get an answer for yourself? Because that's what they use it for people who are dying or whatever, you know, uh, anxiety and depression and stuff like that. And he said, no, I, try, I tried LSD and I talked to the cancer and I said to the cancer and the cancer said, no, no, you, you're going to die. But everything's OK. You hear this all the time. Everything's perfect. Everything's the way it's supposed to be. It's going to be perfect. And he said, well, if you want me to deliver this message, maybe you should let me give me another couple of months. And he said there was dead radio silence. So then the guy asked me, he said. So, and this is the thing, this guy's worked with all these people who've had these bizarre stories, almost like experiencers. They've been here and they're talking to dead people and all this sort of stuff. And then he says to the, he says to Roland Griffith, he says, so 
you think there's life after death? And Roland Griffith says, well, yeah, I says, I think the chance is as close to zero as possible. And I'm thinking, what are you talking about? Are, did you get bad LSD or something? <laughs> like, what, what's going on? You just expired LSD? And then he said, but I'm a scientist. I got to be skeptical. And that's the whole thing. It's always like, I got to right. be skeptical. So they always say, you know, I, I really don't know for sure and stuff. And they play this stupid game instead of just look at the facts and tell what the fact. You don't have to be gullible. You don't have to be skeptical. Just look at the facts. And I was surprised when Roland Griffith said that as close to zero as possible after 20 years of hearing these absolutely mind blowing stories from people. Uh, 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 that are like basically experiences telling about this other side to the world, which is not a physical world. It's this consciousness, uh, you know, non-local type stuff. Yes. And and that's the thing that I really like about Eric Davis. You know, there was that one interview he did. It was a long time ago. I don't know if it was with Danny Silva. I think it might've been maybe, but anyway, he did this long interview and I listened to it multiple times and he was basically like, Somebody said, well, you're you're doing fringe science. And he's like, I like to call it breakthrough science. Yeah. And I was like, what a nice way to turn that around, you know, like look at it from less of a stigma oriented science to more of like a cutting edge, you know, yeah. science. And I like the way he phrased that. And I like that he had that nice thinking, the open minded thinking. And obviously he's got the experience to come with it. You know, well, Gary Nolan, you must ask Gary experts. Yeah, you must ask Gary Noel about because he has the same thing. He said, if you're a scientist, why would you take anything off the table? And then exactly. he, he said this thing about when he when he when people are doing the dissertation and then he confronts them and he says, you know, you got that bell curve there and there's five percent outside the bell curve. How come that's happening over there? And he said, it's not I'm not interested in the 95 percent inside the bell curve. I'm interested in why is the five percent outside the bell curve? That's where the Nobel Prizes come from. That's where the inventions and that's what the whole paranormal phenomena, the theory of wow is that they just want you to go, wow, something's wrong with what we believe. If somebody can go from here to the other side of the universe instantaneously, there's something wrong with what we believe. And, and that's what the paranormal phenomenon is doing. It's, it's making us curious and it's dragging us down the road to explore. And that's what another thing that I wanted to tell you about that um, was one of my big takeaways from the, the soul symposium the first day, Jacques Vallée did his presentation and you would have, both of you would have recognized a lot of the material. But one of the cool things he did was he did a graph, regular XY graph, and he went and showed reports, right? Reports, regular reports yeah. of sightings, witnesses, witness accounts. And he showed these different zones of how reporting works, very statistical. And he's like, so then once you get into this zone, which was basically like contact, right? CE5 yeah. type stuff or CE6 or, you know, the different types of encounters that people had, the less the reporting. Because the high strangeness got to be so strange that people wouldn't report, like the whole theory of wow, yeah. They just wouldn't report it because it was so unusual, it was such an unusual encounter. And so reports went beep and you could see the <laughs> graph. I mean, it was it was great. And so he talked about he at least touched on things like um, missing time, you know, or time distortions and whatever in his whole in his whole presentation. So I was really happy that he did that because he discussed it. He went through it. He talked about, you know, the realities of people not wanting to report because it's so too bizarre. And they don't want to, you know, they don't want to be witness or don't want their names to be reported. So yes. that was interesting. And, I thought. and then you look at Whitley, you talked about, I think it was Anne, maybe it was Anne or, or Whitley that said, if it isn't strange, we don't listen to it. it the stranger that it is, the more accurate it is. And that's what I said when it came to this thing with people on the ship where they would say they're flying the ship. The 75-year-old lady is telling me she's flying the ship. And I'm going, 
what are you talking about? And it's like, if you're, you're, if you're going to say you're, you're going to make up a story, you're not going to put flying the ship in there or the people seeing 360 degrees. And as soon as they said they, they touched the panel and they could see in 360 degrees, I'm going, Hey, that's out of body experience. And that's these weird exactly. component things that that you're looking for, and that's what leads you to the to the discovery. Is you're not listening to the regular stuff. You you're looking for that stuff that's really weird, but people are are, are reporting it all over the place. Did you know? I just saw this. I just saw this statistic recently because I was doing a technical paper, and I found it in a dissertation that somebody had wrote for. Um, I think it was Cal Berkeley. And it was all about experiencers and religion and anomalous experiences and religion needing to take another look at these things and consider them legitimate and valid. And one of the things it went into was the, Mar the Marsden study that was done like last year. I'm sure you've heard of this, but 88%, 88% of those studied and questioned said that they had paranormal experiences after their, after their, after their sighting. I was like 88% of witnesses are having paranormal experiences or at a body or some other type of anomalous. Yeah. And I didn't know that. I mean, I just thought that was extraordinary. I couldn't yeah, believe it. We're asking Yvonne Smith about the, the abductees. And I said, how many of them have got paranormal phenomena? And she started laughing. She goes, like 99% <laughs> or you have these things like 80% have out of body experiences, like the free survey, which people ignore and they say, Oh, the, the, the data isn't correctly. A data. convenient sample. That's what I've yeah. heard that it was a convenient sample. 4,200 people. And you, yeah. you see the thing with 37% have had near death experiences. Like it's like, what's the chances that you've been abducted and you've also had a near death experience. And most of them have two near death experiences or the experience I've actually had three times. And that's this one that uh, uh, Nick Cook's wife had with the shared near death experience. Shared, she, shared near death experience. Yep. Where she says, I, I knew the answer to everything in the universe. I've had that experience. And 40% 40, 40 of all UFO experiencers say at one point during the experience, they knew the answer to everything in the universe. 31% of near-death experience people say at one point they knew the answer to everything in the universe. And to me, that's obviously very key because it indicates that everything is there. And it's the ability to get in the field, get the information and pull it back out again. And, and these kind of things that uh, are sitting right out in front that indicate the importance of, of this, this sort of stuff, but people just, they, they, they get back into sightings because sightings are more exciting and they're they're You know, you have to think about it or whatever. And, well, and I, wondered, I keep wondering about that because I wonder, you know, I think the other stuff is more exciting now. And so I'm, I'm curious why people continue to stay or, on the sightings and don't go into the other spectrum. Cause I maybe, find it's that the other maybe it's the, it's, it's, it's the being the idea that you got to be skeptical in science. That you have I to believe, doubt, and so everybody wants to be cool. So you don't want to go there because it's it's kind <laughs> it's of like, cool like whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get together in the bathroom. You know, <laughs> peer pressure, peer pressure. Especially if you've got a, a degree. I I just interviewed uh, Mario Beauregard, who wrote, who wrote he wrote the he co-wrote the uh, manifesto for post-materialist science. It's got four hundred scientists that that did it. And, and I'm talking to him, like, you know, the story about John Mack that they tried to pull his tenure. I said, hey, Mario, you, you, you actually got nailed. They actually got you. He was at the, the institute where Penfield was, the Neurological Institute in, oh, in Montreal. Yeah. And he went for his tenure and he lost. They kicked him out after after working because he was doing the, the head of the thing. She's still alive, 104 years old. She said, there is not going to be any spiritual stuff done in this in this in this institute. It's like one of the main brain institutes in the world. And he lost his tenure. They kicked him out. And he's Holy like a, this rebel guy. So he came up with this post-materialist thing. But 
that's what you get is, is this fear of losing your tenure or being laughed at, or I have spent my whole life and I'm a cool professor. And it, it never, it never encouraged me because I knew that the, the head, the Dean of, of, of biology couldn't pay his bar bill. And I knew that one had molested the, one of the bartenders and I, they're just ordinary people. They never impressed me, but everybody has is impressed by some guy's got a PhD and he can come into the UFO field and say, it's all sorts of stupid stuff because we're, we're always the Rodney danger field of the, of the paranormal world. Like nobody we respects us. Well, if we get some PhD <laughs> guy who's going to come and talk to us, then oh, we got some respect. And that's, that's, that's a big mistake that I think we make is, is we bow down to these people who really don't have any expertise of what they're talking about just because you're an astronomer doesn't know you what do you doesn't even know anything about ufos you know no, exactly i agree with you i agree with you it doesn't mean anything yeah but your work is across the board like i think i respect your work because you've gotten the same thing as me you've taken all the paranormal phenomena and you've looked at them all and you've seen these these things popping up all over the place and yes. realize it's this it's all weaves together and most people want to compartmentalize it almost like the black world where it doesn't work because you got your piece and this guy's got his piece and you can't talk to each other. The same thing happens in academia where everybody's got their little thing and, and you go down the UFO road and you think that's the answer, but you don't realize you don't go down the port road. You don't go down the, the second right. road, the remote viewing. And if you go across, you suddenly realize like, holy, all this stuff fits together. You have to, I kind of feel like you're led partially, but then I kind of feel like something comes up and if you don't know about it, you've got to do the work. You got to go and you got to research it. You got to understand it and how it's connected because it all seems connected. I let, mean, let, let me ask you a question. Do you believe you're, you're led? You, you, sometimes you, you've, you've read my, Michael Newton, this whole deal about soul. You told me all about Newton. Yes. And I went in and I read, I read Newton and you told me about Penfield and those studies. And I went and I looked that all up and read all about it. I mean, <laughs> And then I tell the scientists about that stuff because they don't get exposure to it. And then they go and look at it and they're like, oh, my God, I didn't know that Penfield did this and did these studies. And so they get interested in it, too. And so yeah. I do like to share some of those and pickups. I feel like on some level, it comes through the synchronicities and the intuition. Like I'm researching about it and then I hear about it. And so I already kind of have it before I get the question, which is a similar kind of thing where you meet somebody and it's a synchronistic meeting and they kind of have something that you feel like is meaningful that you need to learn about. And then it's a similar thing with feeling led with the research. Sometimes things will come to me and I'm like, I don't know why I'm going down this track and I keep going down it and then I'll get it a couple of days later. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I don't know if that's the intuitive thing working or what, or if it's being feeling like being led or you're just already on that track. I don't know how you explain that, but I always accept it as it is and I don't put it down. I keep studying it. Yes, yeah, it's important because you're an academic and same with Gary Nolan. If you and Gary Nolan can write a paper on this, I asked him for money. I asked him for money at the Soul Symposium. He was like, "Well, that's what we're here doing, trying to look for money." And I was like, "You, you're looking for money." <laughs> you guys bring okay. up a good point, though, because do we see an expansion of disclosure for dollars in 2024? I don't know. Well, I was just reviewing my Bix grant proposal today because I sent it to somebody because we're looking at maybe doing another possible, you know, study. And I read through all of it because that was looking for money, you know, for Bix because they put the grant proposal out for afterlife and contact with the afterlife. And I didn't win the grant, but I was looking at it and previewing it again. I thought this is worth going back out because I do think there's going to be grant money. If Bigelow is starting a whole standalone college in the old Bass building to do something like Arthur Finley College in the U.S., that means there's going to be money. That's just one indication for me, a signaling that that research is going to be 
funded a little more and maybe not just by him. I don't know, Grant. I don't know what you think. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, psychedelics, I said that I, at one point I was saying psychedelics may be what will break the whole thing because uh, I remember I went to the guy who used to run UFO Congress, the big UFO thing, and he said to me, he said, Grant, he's from uh, from Alberta, he made a lot of money in Canada. They went down there, he says, I got a question for you. I said, what? I said, how do you make any money at this thing? I said, you don't. <laughs> Nobody makes any money in ufology. And he actually quit. He, he sold the conference and all this sort of stuff. And, and psychedelics, what happened with psychedelics is the same thing. It was this taboo subject. And then suddenly everybody realized you could 80% success ratio with depression, with combat depression, with uh, addiction, with smoking cessation, all this sort of stuff. And, and you have these therapists who are charging 150 bucks an hour and you need two and you got to do eight, eight hours of, of, of uh, introduction and then two people sitting there for eight hours. And then you need the, the thing to, after to go through it and stuff like this. And suddenly it's like $10,000 for a session. And suddenly there's piles of money. And now there's 200 companies, 200 st- startup companies on psychedelics because everybody realizes everybody's trying to patent everything that has a combination that's close to psychedelics, like close to psilocybin and stuff. And once there's money, then you see all this grant money, like psychedelics has got more money than they know what to do with now. Research all over the world and the, the taboo is gone. And it's just a matter of someone figuring some way to make money with, yes. with this kind of stuff. And, and then it'll roll. That's because the rule in the United States is number one rule is money. Number two rule is money. Number three rule is money. And I know it is. The U.S. is all about the money. It is. We are. I mean, ask anybody, ask anybody from any country and they'll say, oh, yeah, U.S., they're all about the money. And that's and why they're going. That's that's why they went to the Senate Appropriations and the the uh, Intelligence Committee instead of the other committees is because uh, they've got a eight hundred eighty six billion dollar budget. That's where the money is. And that's what Pendolfi said. They ran out of billionaires and they went after Congress because they they ran out of the scamming all this money off of billionaires and trying to promote their you know inventions and stuff like that. So uh, that's the problem we have is is the making money. In, uh, but it still doesn't stop you and I. I mean, you and I are doing it for the for the absolute thrill of discovery, where you suddenly yes. discover something and you go, "Wow!" It's and to help. It's a service thing. Also, I feel like it's a service thing that's driven to help. You know, to help experiencers in the community. I feel yeah. that that's a big part of my my whole thing. It's service. Yeah. Yeah, mine's always been driven by the Newton thing. When when I ran into that lecture with Newton, I was just like, and it was the old idea that you come in and you only get asked one question. 7,000 people get asked the question, how did it work out? And you can't bring up Hillary Clinton or the mother-in-law or the dog <laughs> ate the homework or anything. They're going to go, time out, time out, this is about you. How did it work out? You planned it. And everybody, and Newton says, everybody says the same thing. I could have done better. So I'm always on this thing where it's like, Am I doing enough? Am I doing the right thing? And and it's like you're, you're driven by this idea that you've got to get something done. You came here to do something. Whereas yes. most people just basically wait until someone says you got three months to live. And then they're going, what the hell's going on here? Like, oh, what, what, what am I going to do? And looking for a healer and stuff like that and scrambling. And we, we get to spend our life trying to f- answer the basic question of why we're here. Yes, that's why I don't like on some of the on some of the negative narratives, you know, the kind of corruption of that part of it. That we, you know, that we don't have a soul. I mean, I hear stuff like that or like that our souls are being recaptured and being, you know, put into the yeah. graves. And I'm just like, man, come on. We know we have a soul. Yeah. You know, like yeah. that seems to be a base level thing for me. And it is a spiritual idea. And so I will, I don't expect everybody to have that idea. But when I see some of those really negative things coming out, I'm like, well, we know we're, you know, our soul is encapsulated in this body somehow, if you believe in that idea. And so when it comes about, I'm like, well, that's kind of an oxymoron, How, you know, that we would, our soul would be sucked out and put into, you know, this little gray being when we're yeah. here now, 
living in the present. So it takes away that whole idea takes away from this incarnation and this work and this reality and what we're what we're doing. So I don't like that one. I always kind of steer away from it and think yeah. that's a future trip. But but I that could break that. pretty fast. Like with the New York Times, I never figured, figured it would break. But that's why I said Lakatsky. That interview is so important when he said the the UAP technology is a combination of physical and psychic. And you get a big enough person say that, and everybody realizes that the, the whole thing collapses. Then it's like. There is a psychic, there is a spiritual component, there is a consciousness component to it, and it would just be, almost be like yes. the New York where it'll just suddenly unravel o- overnight, and everybody's going to admit that, yeah, this this was actually real. The other thing that he brought up that, that blew me away, where he said, I'll give you a big bombshell. He says, uh, the, the, the men in black are real. And, of course, Carbell and, and Knapp are into the you know the, the government thing, so they're going, what, 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 the government? And he said, no, 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 those are real. Yeah, but there's, they're, they're real, they're, and they're, they're, the alien ones are real? And he said, yeah but they're using reverse psychology. They're not scaring you away from it. They're dragging you into it. And it's like, that's a theory of wow. They just, they want you to go, oh, what's going on here? And and that's the thing again, this this idea that they are able to morph into other beings. And you have this head, head guy who says, I just need to write it up and get permission. You got the head guy who's now talking about this kind of stuff. And, and he's talking about the psychic stuff and everybody sort of ignores it. But eventually someone's going to pick up on it and say, they, the government is actually approving the fact that there's this psychic consciousness spiritual component whatever you want to call it to this phenomenon i've been saying the same thing like why did the government give him permission i've been saying the same exact thing why would the government have given him permission in the dobster to do that yeah i mean why aren't people asking themselves that because on some level they want us to know that that's a part of it and if they want us to know just that small part of it imagine how huge it is what's what's behind that like that's a disclosure. They want to sort of control the disclosure from 2024 to 2030, take it over six years and slowly un- unravel this thing. And, and then what Katsky says, he says, I'm an expert, me and Colm Kelleher, we're experts at taking highly classified material and moving it down into lower classifications. And that's like, he's working for somebody. This is a job that he's, he's, he's meant to do. So let's hope that he comes out with this, this component because that, that is a critical thing that will break the whole logjam is this idea where it gets confirmed. Yes, you are flying the craft with your mind and that changes everything that then the materialist thing, the atheist thing, the, you know, we're biological robots in a random meaningless universe. That's <laughs> off the table. It's game over. Well, I have to tell you, this is a follow on. Okay. Hold that thought as we got our final half hour spaced out radio coming up right after this. Are you excited, Dave? I'm excited. <laughs> I'm pumped up. I'm just sitting back listening to Grant Cameron and Courtney Marcassani take us through a wild lesson of behind the scenes in ufology. Guess what? That continues when we return on Spaced Out Radio. We'll be right back. <laughs> This is what hyperspace telepathy looks like, people. (laughs) 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 I'm vibing with you. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's interesting. And and you never know. I mean, a couple of people will be watching and they won't they won't realize all this stuff we're talking about. That there that people have mentioned these things and that there's high level people that are talking about it and they're they're using these protocols and stuff like that. And uh it's what it's it's the same thing it's like we want everything yesterday and it's like lou alessandro said it's five years go take a wait five years go get a hobby for five years (laughs) exactly it's a it's a process that slowly uh, one piece at a time and uh it it, it, it's the way it works it's it's 
nothing. And and as I I don't know if you heard the beginning of the interview, where this whole thing about uh, you're never going to see reality. This whole Donald Hoffman thing. Everything's always going to be an icon in between you and and so you're gonna you're gonna get it, and then you're gonna realize it's even more complex. And then yes. you go after that, and it gets more complex, and it gets more yes. complex. And that's yeah, the way, there's that's no the end. There's no point. You you if you have that tendency to want to try to get to a point, you gotta release. Yeah the idea that you're ever going to get, it just gets more expansive and more expansive and yeah. more expansive. I did want to tell you about the protocol because you were talking about the protocols that Timothy Taylor and yeah. you know Gary Nolan are using. And I don't know if they're using the same protocol or not, but I was on a space, uh, a Twitter space last month. Um, and they were talking about Gary Nolan's protocol that they're all using and the remote viewers and the remote viewers using it specifically. So they're taking knock which works on certain neurotransmitters in the brain. And then they're doing specific type of, you know, sleep and preparations. And there's a whole group of them. And I'm, so I'm listening to this new, like new protocol that they've designed. And then the guy came on who was one of the designers who was talking about how it, be, how it came to be. And he was working, I think it was either in India, somewhere in Asia and in this remote community. And they needed to be able to do certain types of healing practices for their population. And they started looking into, um, certain types of, um, you know, not disease, but like certain types of things were afflicting the entire population and they were trying to use certain types of protocols for healing. And so they kind of combined Gary Nolan's protocol with this other healing protocol that they were using. And so I want to send it to you because he sent me a bunch of slides from that space to give to me to look at what they were using. And I haven't had a chance to look at it yet, but it's essentially the new protocol that they're using for remote viewing. And it includes healing. It includes healing in the RV protocol, which I thought was a unique angle that I hadn't heard about before. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fascinating when you get guys that, and they're, they're not very open about it yet, but no. because I, I, I research it and I follow it. As soon as I get it, I go, Oh, you pick it up right away when he talks about it. And everybody else just it's just something they they hear. You're talking about healing. Have you heard the, the thing with Bankston? He I was on uh uh Mishlov's show where he's talking about this the um the remote the rapid image cycling which the aliens use as well, and th this thing where he's got he can he can tape it now. They do the cycling thing where they can heal cancer with mice and stuff, and he puts it on a he's he's in a Faraday cage and he's got a tape recorder running, and then the, while while they're just doing this flipping these images in their head and then they take the tape recorder and it works just, it works four times, takes four times as long, but they can put a tape recorder in a room and the person, huh. the, the rat will be cured of cancer. And you're going like, and he hasn't done an interview for a year. I said to Jeffrey Mishlov, I said, can you interview him again? This is unbelievable. It's like on the very, very edge or they're putting it in water and it's like a vaccine and, and this stuff works like hundred percent of the time. And this yeah. is, nobody knows about this. He just amazing the stuff that that's slipping through the cracks that um, that people have, have got, uh, you know, uh, figure stuff out. And it, it just it all fits together when you look at it. But I, I was amazed that you know, Angston. Yeah, he was the head of the scientific uh, um, investigation. We look up uh, it's uh, rapid image cycling. OK, and, I'll check it out. And, and I took his course and it, it's, it can cure cancer. He does rats. 100 uh, percent success ratio. Uh, just fascinating stuff. And then uh, he, um, uh, he, he, in his book, he says the thing where at the very end of the book, the guy that taught it to him was a, a psychic by the name of uh, Merrick, Bennett Merrick. And then I he, have heard of Bennett Merrick. 
and and Bennett Merrick said he was from he was an alien from Alpha Centauri, and him yeah. and Banks had come to the world to bring this this thing. And and then uh, I listened to Susie Hansen. Susie Hansen is talking about the same thing. The beings take them into this theater, and they're flipping these environmental images on the screen, hundreds at a second, exactly. Wow. The, and and they had taught them how to do it. And 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 then you get Bankston's guy says he's an alien, and he comes with this technique of flipping these images in your head that can cure cancer. It's just like, it's just it's such. I can't believe that people just. I eat it up. I mean, same with you. I think it's like you see this weird stuff, and you just go like. You can't believe this is happening. Well, Hold you on, can't guys, ignore it either. Seconds. We got 10 seconds here, and then we'll come back again. Thank you to all our super chatters tonight. Very much appreciate it. Human Carl Gizmo, thank you. Final half hour of this show. Until next year, my name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate you tuning us on in. We want to remind you that if you missed most of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on Patreon in the Space Travelers Club. Grant Cameron, Courtney Marcassani are with us talking all things about 2024 disclosure, what we will see, what we will not see, who's the names being played behind the scenes. Interesting conversation, I will say the least. Grant, welcome back, and thank you for staying late. And Courtney, welcome back. What was Courtney going to talk about? Let's talk. I was going to say a follow-on, Grant, to what you said, and this is a very small thing, but it's just a follow-on to what you were saying about Colm Kelleher and um, Hal Plutoff and that connection with Lekatsky. So at the Soul Symposium, this is just a little brief, you know, segue into what you were already saying during the Q and A with you know Larry McGuire and. Hal put off and Leslie Keen posing the questions to them, you know, he brought up towards the end how put off did. Well, here I read, you know, in the new Skinwalker book that Lakatsky is saying he was in a craft and he's like, what do I do? I call Lakatsky and I say, tell me more about being in the craft. You know, like I want to know everything. And he's like, I can't do it. You know, this is how put off telling all of us. Yeah. Right. And we're all like waiting, you know, on pins and needles. And he's like, I can't do it. I can't go beyond what that, you know, what that line is. I cannot do it. And so he said, okay. So he hangs up and he calls Colm Keller and he's like, so can you tell me, you know, about the craft? And he was in there and Colm's like, he didn't tell me anything either, you know, but in that discussion, they never mentioned the consciousness piece. He focused on him, Lukatsky being in the craft and trying to get more information and then him being like, you know, tight lipped, but he never mentioned the other part the psychic part to the audience. So I think that's interesting that that was kind of censored out or that was the part that he was interested, you know, and just yeah, the everybody's, into, everybody's still like. into nuts and bolts thing. They, right. you know, the, where the Lekatsky, the, the stuff he, he, the interest in me was, was, was different stuff. Cause I'd heard that story about the craft long time ago. And even the thing with the Wilson leak document at the very end, people said, Oh, this is disinformation. That's where they said, we have a craft and we think it'll fly. And as soon as I saw that, I said, that's the craft I've always heard about. They can't get the thing going because you need a consciousness interface to get the craft going. Right. It, it has no engine in it. 
And uh, so you, you see this sort of stuff, but Lukaski is, is doing the, the fantastic job in terms of uh, uh, trying to bring it out and whether he's, that's his job. Cause that's where he does the same thing as, as all of them. It says, I, or Lou Elizondo, I can't talk about that, which indicates somebody's listening to him. Somebody, right. it's almost like he's got instructions. He's working. Well, he somebody. says that he says that on, um, it was George Knapp, right? It was George Knapp where George Knapp's trying to like pull, you know, more yeah. information out of him. And he's like, they are listening to us right now. And you're like, okay, I get it. Like, I understand why he doesn't want to, you know, leak anything more because he, he can't. And who knows what sort of Damocles is holding over his head, you know? I mean, and but he did say that he was going to go back and get some more stuff. Maybe I can do that in the future or something. He said like that. Maybe I can yes. I can get that in the future. And he said, I got to write it down and get it approved. And uh, so I think you're going to see uh, more. And and it, with that is what they're trying to get up. And what's in the inside of the craft? And that's when he said, if you knew that, everything else in the book would seem primitive. And that's this whole idea that you think there's disclosure that we got it all figured out. And it's like, no, it's just, it gets weirder and weirder and weirder. And, and uh, yes. so I think, it, I think that's really moved. When I heard that interview by Lekatsky, I was just like, wow, I couldn't believe the stuff he was saying. And he was the guy that ran the program, but most people I think just listened to it once and, and heard that one thing that we got a craft and we've been inside it. That's all. Right, because is. it's still the nuts and bolts. And they're also not looking at it like, uh, you know, like a systems, like a systems thing, you know, or like you mentioned with Colm Kelleher being, you know, kind of the project manager at one point for Bass and OSAP and all the interconnections. I don't think a lot of people who are stepping into this now, reading those things are putting all those interconnections, the things that are woven together, together. And I, I still think they could use someone like you, like an academic, because some of the stuff that they say, you suddenly realize it's the same thing. They're in this compartmentalized world and they really don't, understand the whole paranormal phenomena and one is like comb kelleher where they talk about the the, the uh, hitchhiker like this is something new oh this hitchhiker that follows people around and it's like <laughs> hello <laughs> and it's like and then he starts talking the about orbs, uh, the blue orbs that travel through the car and through the walls of people's houses they're like that's this is the hitchhiker and it's damaging and you're like yeah the orbs the orbs have been around for a really long time guys yeah, and, and and that's the thing that they could they could benefit from. I even have my my friend. I he he told me he sent me the photo. He had one where he went into a graveyard. This is right. Have you ever had Ron Johnson on, Dave? Yeah, a long time ago. Oh, he's, he he does a lot of uh, photographing of yes. orbs and and he's in graveyards and stuff. And he said he goes into the graveyard and he he goes to this one crypt and he starts yelling come on out he's yelling he's got the camera set up and suddenly this thing comes out this black black shadow figure comes out and and he gets it on camera and so when when the 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 whole um uh the hitchhiker hitchhiker thing started uh i i got i, I said ron you still got that photo and he said he took him days to find this photo he had looked through thousands of photographs and he got it but he said that thing followed him for 5 years three different houses Wow. And it's the whole thing. It's like an attachment in, and, and that's why I think what they're missing is they don't have that overall knowledge. They get into this little thing and they start making these things, all this evil things, you know, attacking people, the blue yeah, orb. The, I've got the, the one guy got the blue orb, yes. got healed. Betty Andreessen had a blue orb that was her guardian. Uh, people in the orb group started sending me all these blue orb photographs and stuff. And they get into these little things. They don't have enough, enough knowledge about the paranormal phenomena. They just get something and they jump on it on the physical thing and go down this route and, and get sort of sidetracked as to what's going yes. on. And I think they need someone like you or like me or someone that, that can sort of say, 
this is in this phenomena. We've seen this before. It, it appears here, it appears there. Yes. So you can put it in perspective that it's not some unique phenomenon. Or when they got the first beam, beam photograph at Skinwalker Ranch, they, go, Look, they, they called it a pillar, a light <laughs> pillar or whatever. And it's like, we got thousands of these things, people sending these, Chris Bledsoe, 2015, these beams coming out of the sky. And they don't realize that. They're, they're, they're sort of compartmentalized, almost like a, a, a guy who does a PhD in uh, some aspect of uh chemistry or something like that some yes. little thing he knows one little thing and you get him outside or my friend who was a, a had a phd in in uh in engineering in um civil engineering and I, he was at university of wyoming i went there and i said hey mingling your, your tap doesn't work what's going on he said oh to do the shut off down below and i and i take the shut off and the water comes pouring out and i said why don't you change the washer in this thing and he said i don't know how to do that and i said you got a PhD in civil engineering. You're not a junior. <laughs> but that's the whole thing. Like people are very specialized. They're very compartmentalized. Very. Well, and that was the whole thing in medicine too, you know, where you saw these general practitioners kind of go away and yeah. everybody came, became a specialist. I mean, that was really part of, you know, the whole paradigm for a while. And so I think we need to people, people to be a little bit more generalist and understanding that this is a wide field that encompasses a lot of different areas. And a lot of it is, I hate, I hate to say it, that it's, it's normal, but it is in the experiencer community, it's frequent or it happens frequently. And so that becomes normal for them. It's not normal for people who haven't had the experience, but I have to ask you this too. This is another segue. When I was at, and this is just a little bit of insider stuff from being in the conference, which I'm not supposed to talk about, but I was at the Soul You're Symposium. Like I sat next to Danny Sheehan, right? And so Danny Sheehan gets up and goes to use the bathroom. And I saw on his seat, there had been like, uh, a pamphlet that was given to him. It was either like a pitch letter or it was some kind of mission and vision statement, but it said super experiencers on the yeah. front. And it was uh, either a program that was being pitched or some kind of R&D that was in development about these super experiencers. So of course I'm like, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm looking oh, at it going, what's this mean? You know? And I, I saw that it was by um, Sean um, Elgeborn, I think is his last name. And I was going to reach out to him, but he did a, he did a thing on consciousness at Arizona, you know, at the Arizona studies of, of consciousness. I think it was last year he did a big presentation. So there's definitely research and academics looking into things like this. And so I want to follow up on the whole super experiencer thing and find out, you know, what's it all about? Yeah. You know, yeah, Danny did make the comment where he's talking to the contractors and they said, leave abductions off the table, please. And he said, oh, they actually really? told me, leave it, leave it off the table. It's they don't want to go there. And it's like, I don't know whether it's because it's the, the aspect that they don't want to deal with, or it has this weird component to it that they don't understand. Or Danny said, they actually told him that leave it off. The I table. have to ask you this. I have to ask you this clarifying question. Cause it's been burning up my mind ever since yeah. I ran across it. And I think you can clear it up for me and maybe other people it'll help. But do you remember when we were talking about this a long time ago and it was Kit Green who put something up. I don't know if it was through Joe Merger or somebody else who said there are no abductions or something like that. Yep. Yep. It was some kind of statement he made about there are no abductions. No, no abductions there. ever was the term he used. No abductions ever. How did you interpret that? Uh, there's an experience, but it's not what people think it is. The same as Edgar Mitchell said no abductions. 
he did the Stephen Greer thing. He said, yeah, most of the, if there's abductions, it's, it's government. And it's this idea, is it an out-of-body experience? Is it a, a physical abduction? It's, it's, there's, an, there's an event taking place, but it's not what people think it is. Okay. It's, it's more complex. That's what I think. Because Kit Green, like, I don't know if you saw the tape where he's doing K. Randall May. This shows. That oh, yes. Oh, yes. You so said using that to me, actually. And I like, I was like, you know, doing the whole interpreting thing, you know, just listening to it and transcribing every yeah. word. I did that for like months. And then it came back out again. And people were like, what? And I was like, oh, yeah. People didn't yeah. even know about that interview. So I held on to that actually for a while before. And I she got upset. I, I did two sessions with her. She got upset. I and asked her about what, what kind of stuff. She said, I can't tell you that. It's being paid for. And I'm thinking, is the black ops using this woman? Because she can go down and, and look at diagrams and stuff and do all this kind of stuff. And then the same thing when John Burroughs started channeling during his abduction thing. And yeah. then he said, I heard that he had that Kit Green had phoned him and said, you need to do yoga, a certain type of yoga, uh, uh, some type of yoga and meditation. And I said, Kit Green said that to you? And he said, yeah. And I said, did it work, John? Yeah. He said, yeah, it made it better. <laughs> it's like It was Vipassana. It was Vipassana, yeah. I think, that he told him to do. And that was yeah. all part of Naked Awareness and the Naked Awareness movement. And they were doing those studies. And they, they went directly from Naked Awareness into Vipassana. I know they did. Yeah. And so that's the thing. <laughs> you realize that these guys behind the scene, Kit Green and all these guys, they know some of this, this stuff behind the scenes. That's not the nuts and bolts stuff. It's this weird stuff. And they're, they're yeah. running it with it as hard as they can. Because I remember John when I first told me he said no Kit Green wouldn't have done that no Kit Green's not on that tape and I said I'll send you the tape. Said, Kit Green. <laughs> I'm so glad you said it to me because I'll tell you what I listened to that so many times and just you know the coordinates and everything I mean it was just like a labyrinth in itself but I had to ask you about the abduction comment that he made because I yeah. always that perplexed me. And I always wondered that it was never resolved. I always yeah, wondered. There was what, quite a few, quite a few of those people that said that no, no abduction thing that, uh, and I think that's what it is that they're saying. Uh, but of course, kid always wants to go into the thing that it's all black, black, op, black ops, like all the injuries and everything is all black yes. ops and it can be explained. And that's the, the whole thing where you're sitting yeah. on the fence. Like I'm not going to go on one side or the other, or whatever. But the thing that amazed me with that tape was Kid Green. It's like you would, you know, you'd think we'd be going, Holy, are you kidding me? He's going, Hang on, let me write that down. Okay, yeah, wait, let me write that down. Okay, proceed. Great. Proceed. You think you'd heard it a hundred times before. Yeah, hang on, let me write that down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. It was really interesting as from a forensic standpoint, you know, the language that was used and the and way the, he dug and, into and things. That's another thing where you go to the soul conference. I tell people like people get into things. They don't like this guy. They don't like the Avery. They don't like the NIDS or whatever. And I say, I don't care what you think about these people. If you go to the conference like soul and these guys are to listen to these guys, they're going to say stuff that you never heard before from time to yes. time. Something will slip. I don't care what you think about them. Listen very carefully. These people have no, they're inside and uh, you'd benefit by by listening. So the Soul Conference, when I heard all these people gathered, I'm going like, wow, are they going to put that stuff out on, on the videos? We're supposed to get it, but they haven't yet. Well, Carl Nell said straight out, all this stuff that you're seeing, and it was really disparaging, but he was like, it's, you know, it's Bob Bigelow's lackeys that have set us back, you know, 20 years or whatever, something like that. And I was like, 
bombshell, bombshell <laughs> being dropped, you know? And of course, you know, Carl now has his own things and, you know, yeah. he validated Grush and Leslie Keen was basically in front of all of us saying, thank you, Carl, for validating him because we needed that for the debrief story and the New York Times wouldn't even take it. I mean, so it was interesting watching the interplay between all these people talking about disclosure and they're part of it and how they worked on it. And so that was the other real nice thing about being in the room for that as well. You could see this orchestrated movement by the activists coming, coming into reality. And that was pretty incredible by itself, regardless of the other things that were, they were saying, it was amazing to hear the orchestration that was involved. It was like this amazing dance by all these different people to bring it out. And people are devastated. Of course, that the Schumer thing didn't get through, but you knew, you know, you knew you were saying in Dave's group, you're like with the metamaterials and the, you know, and the intellectual property, they're never gonna, they're never going to say that the public gets this. And I was like, Grant is, he's, he's right. <laughs> but, but as I point out tonight, it was, it was not as much conspiratorial as people think, because if the Democrats had won six more seats, it would have gone through without any changes. It I was know. simple. One guy can stop the whole thing. That Utterly. it's the political system that 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 is being manipulated. The ends justifies the means, and power is the ultimate goal. And if we're going to stop it, so yeah. if if they had six more seats, they, these guys could have got a billion dollars from Lockheed, and they couldn't have stopped it. And no that doubt. was the whole thing. Is is now it's sort of written into law, and now you got to rely on uh, an executive order or a whistleblower or something like that to put more pressure. But uh, I've yeah, seen some call outs. I've seen some call outs for the executive order. And I thought that was really interesting. I mean, I doubt they'll do that. I, d yeah. I doubt they'll do that out of the playbook because it would be too risky. You well, know, I mean, yeah. And you see Biden has actually said in, in his response, he said, there's I'm the I'm the head of security and classification yep. and there's highly classified material here. So they're all playing the game. It's the fear game. It's like, oh, I'm so somebody, glad you brought up Edgar Mitchell. The living daylights out of them and they say, OK, yeah. OK, we'll we'll keep it classified, we, you know. I, I just uh, to me, it's to me, it would be an election issue where you just say, OK, we're going to make a step here and uh, do it and uh, run with it. But everybody's into that fear thing of the fear of, of the Russians are going to get it and we can't figure it out and uh, we need yeah. this. And it's a big, strong string to pull because people are afraid of it. So it goes into that base level fear, you know, of, OK, well, we don't want we want to protect our secrets and protect our investment and all of that. And it plays into it. But I. Yeah. I don't think that's as big of a, a big as uh, an issue as actually UFOs that, and, and the technology. And like we talked about already, the consciousness piece. I think that's yeah. the, one of the biggest things of all that they don't want. They don't want to get leaked. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, when you hear Kit Green, then you realize, cause there was a, I don't know if you know the story that Kit Green, there's a guy by the name of Beckham who was he knew more than the, about me than the Avery. And he was talking, Kit Green stopped talking to him and they had an experiment they were going to do that's talked about on there where she's, he's going to take K Randall may and put her in an MRI and he's going to yes, put and do the, in the other and MRI. Do live quantum. Yes. And he was and like, I'm see, the only guy in the game that knows how to do that. He originally yes. was going to do that with a Chinese guy who got a download, oh, a Chinese. I thought it was the Israeli guy who was at SRI. Uh, Yuri, Uri, I thought it was Yuri. No, no, but he, but maybe 10, 15 years ago, Kit Green was going to do this experiment. This is a redo of the experiment. He's going to do it with this Chinese guy. And Gary Beckham released it. And he said, Gary, Kit Green never talked to him again after he released this fact that this Chinese scientist and him are going to do this experiment with the MRI. We're going to send the signal and see whether it was non-local, whether there was a time lapse between 
going from one person to the other. And that's where he said, your Geller is going to be, but he's not going to bring his, his, his entourage in or his, his media people. in. He's always, he's like, he's all about media and we don't want to have any media. And he's like, now I'm not opposed to a certain amount of the study being released in an academic setting. And he walked it back, you know, in that context. But, you know, I did ask about that. I asked somebody who knew Kit Green, I think it was like a year later after you sent me the recording and after I was like doing all my deconstruction, you know, listening to it. And um, I said, did that ever happen? Did he ever put Kay and another party into an MRI or an fMRI at the same yeah. time for this live? And they, they asked him and they said, and he said, no, it hasn't yeah. happened yet. Yeah. That was probably two years ago. So it may have happened by now, but I kind of feel like we would have heard about it or but maybe not, because like I said earlier, Gary Nolan was talking about sensory gating and, you know, doing the study at Harvard in 2018. And I just saw the quote about it today and we're in 2023. So that was five years. So who knows with Kit and that study, but I'm sure that they're going to do it. Aren't you? I mean, even the even what we know already on leaked on that tape is that they, they take this stuff seriously. They may be playing, you know, there's no consciousness and stuff like that. And then you hear that tape and you go like, oh, they know. They know something. They totally know. They knew when that recording was done. And that recording had to be done in 2013, 2014. It's quite a while. And Kid Green's got this top secret SCI security clearance since 1969. Probably the longest held top secret SCI security clearance. And he's the guy that when they when they have an experience, like a general has a, a being in the room, they send him to Kit Green. Did the Russians yeah. get him? Is he crazy or has he been abducted? I mean, he's been at the leading edge of this thing forever. And when you hear him, that's why I say pay close attention to what Kit Green says. Because I don't know. I hope he comes back out. He's been silent for so long. I know he's still active. I know he still communicates with people. I know people that he communicates with, but I don't communicate with him. I wish I was at that level, but I'm not. Um, But I do know that he's active and he's still working on stuff and he still does communicate with people. He's just not public. I wish he would come out into the public now. I don't know why he's not. It would be so nice. The, the best guy is 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 uh, Jacques Vallée. I mean, Jacques Vallée, just he, every time he puts out his diary at the end of 10 years, he just takes a bus and runs over everybody. Just all that I stuff. Know. Is like, wow. It's just it like, it's everything. just like he's opening his jacket, yeah, like showing everybody everything. And you're and like, people must respect, be horrified. Not respect, Jacques, you know? Because he, yeah, he, he exposes everybody. And they must be furious every time he puts out one of those books. Like, oh, no, Jacques putting the book out again. I'm going to be in it. And they're going to tell my secrets. Because I had the one with, with Eric Davis where he got upset when I, I, I identified that he talked to two presidents about the Holloman yes. Air Force Base landing. But Jacques yeah. Vallée put it out. So I figured if Jacques Vallée could put out one, I'll tell the whole story. Uh, but they they don't like that kind of stuff. They're playing that no. that secret thing. And I figured, like, why am I always trying to so- leak all this stuff? They figure out the Canadian guy. We can get rid of the Canadian guy. It's always about the Canadian guy. Grant Cameron, Courtney Marcassani, thank you for a fun, fun show tonight on Spaced Out Radio. I love you both, and it's been a wonderful, wonderful evening as it's time to wrap this thing up on our end and say goodnight to all of our radio audience around North America. And Happy New Year to each and every one of you. We got Mr. Ron Bubblefoothal. Rocket in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. Rocket us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at work, at home, in your cars, wherever you may be. 
thank you to everyone in my chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, LGAP, Facebook, Spreaker, LinkedIn, the Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter at hashtag Spaced Out Radio. I know you're out there. Remember, this show is copyright by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us. Because together, my friends, we're watching. We own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the womb train has docked for the night, but soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we got room for them, too. Good night. Seamless. Mm, painless. Grant, and that's Grant's and my like speed round. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow. We'll have to do a show sometime. Let's do a show. We will. We will. We have to. We did one before. There was a lot of people on it. That was a long time ago. We were supposed to do another one and that we and we didn't. So we've got to now. This is a good yeah. reminder. Especially you were at Soul Conference. That was big. I mean, that was, uh, you're lucky you've been there. I know. Believe me, I thank my lucky stars and the the people who helped me get there. I mean, I need to send like a gift basket or something, you know, <laughs> like show major appreciation. But I've been sharing as much as I can about it and trying to make as much as I can accessible to people who weren't able to be there. Beautiful. I've been talking about it with Dave as much as I can. Beautiful. And I'll send I'll send that thing on Rapid Image. Like I wrote a, a thing on it. Pretty, pretty interesting stuff. I think. Oh you, yeah, you, and I'll send you the protocol stuff that I have that yeah. I downloaded from the Twitter space, so you can take a look at that as well and yeah. see the connections. You'll see yeah. them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Talk to you later. Have a Happy good night. New Year, you guys. All right, little Grant. You take care. Grant Cameron, everybody. Uh the legend. He is the man. He is. He is very exciting. Very exciting. I just don't know where the hell all this is going to go in 2024. Well, it was nice to be able to do a kind of a lightning round with him because I haven't caught up with him for a long time and he's been on my mind and I haven't reached out to him. So to see him and to connect with him, you know, you could see, you know, a lot that was coming out that I had been wanting to mention to and ask him about, you know, the kick greens, especially with the abductions. Cause I've been wondering that ever since I saw that quote and everybody was talking about it. And I was just like, what do they mean? You know? And I wanted to get his perspective. So I liked his answer. It's not what they think it is. Right. It's, uh, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. Pretty incredible. Uh, nonetheless. And, uh, you know, watching it all kind of flow through and watching it kind of build all around. I mean, it's just, I don't even know how to put it to be blunt. Well, how about him calling out the psychic connection way back when, right? And contact modalities and there being a psychic connection and talking about the guy, you know, Walker from Penn State and all that. And now, present day, Lakatsky saying, 
yeah, there's the craft, but there's also this consciousness connection or a psychic connection to it. I mean, Grant was saying that way back when. And so it's, it's, it's nice to see his own work and research being validated now. I mean, I hope that he, you know, accepts that and takes that in because he was way ahead of the curve. Oh, I would fully agree with that. Yeah. Fully agree with that, that uh, it's uh, something that uh, all of us are a little bit, um, a little bit better for, you know what I'm saying? Oh, he's done such a huge body of work. All the people that he's interviewed on his shows, um, you know, including yourself being in the panels. I mean, all of that stuff influenced me when I was first getting into all this, watching all of you guys do all your discussions. I mean, it was so huge just hearing the different perspectives, different input, different research all in one, you know, in one avenue. It's, it's, it's so important what he's done. So I always I, give him credit, you know, credit. Yeah. I got lucky. I, I mean, I... I had a bunch of the old schoolers, and I mean that with all due respect to them, a bunch of the old schoolers really jump on board when when I came aboard on uh, doing SOR, and they really held my hand. It, it's funny, though. The new schoolers are so much tougher to get to know. <laughs> and they, they slap the hand. They slap the hand back. You can't do anything right. You know? It's funny because the new schoolers out there, and I'm not going to mention. Oh, no. Did I lose you? Dave. Sorry about that. That's okay. (laughs) They're going to see me for a second going, Dave, where are you? (laughs) For some reason, StreamYard has been uh, bucking the trend tonight and and uh really been uh a thorn in my side it's kicked me off four times tonight oh no yeah did this once before and i have to figure out why again well you're feeling uh, my reality for some reason i have that you know it's such a pain the disruptions yeah Sorry, what was I talking about? Oh, the new. You the were newer... talking about being lucky, old schoolers, you know, bringing you up, yeah. and then the new schoolers, yeah. and you weren't going to men- mention any names. Yeah, like Grant really bonded with me, and Laurie Fenton, Melinda Leslie, you know, Steve Bassett. Uh, they really helped me out. I mean, there was a few out there um, that I never really saw eye to eye with. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and. Yes. I do know. <laughs> yes. and, you know, I, I remember, I remember going to, I was invited to speak at the alien cosmic expo in Toronto. Oh, uh, I think that would have been 2018, 2019, somewhere in there before COVID. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting at a table with uh, Richard Dolan, uh, Sid Goldberg, Travis Walton, uh, Tracy Garbett Dolan. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was Randy Kramer was there. And uh, the the fake uh, moon or Mars guy. Mm -hmm. And um, which I found very funny uh, on a side note, because their panel head panel discussion with Paul Hellyer, Dolan Goldberg and Randy Kramer 
was UFOs in the media. And I was the only media person there. Wow. And they didn't wow. even ask me to be on the panel, but that's selfish right there. But, um, wow. Um, nonetheless, um, it was funny to see how none of them actually knew how the media worked, but nonetheless, I go, I'm walking around the, the lounge at, at the hotel and, um, there's an open seat right in front of Goldberg and Dolan and Tracy. And this is a true story, by the way. And, um, I go sit down and say, Hey guys, how you doing? No response. Are you kidding me? No response. I sat there for 15 minutes because I wanted to time it out before somebody would actually recognize that I was literally across a table from them, like a bar table from them. And I sat there for 15 minutes um, right in front of them. And after about 15, 17 minutes, I looked at all three of them and I said, it's really good talking with you guys. Thanks for a great evening. I'm going to head on out. Dave, no. Yeah, it was 15, 20 minutes. No word of a lie. Rudeness. Not, not even not even a word to me. It got to the point where at first I was a little offended. Okay. But it got to the point where I was like, I was like, okay, let's uh, see how far this can go. You know, I would have pulled up a chair and I would be like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> Where are you from? What are you doing? What are oh, you doing here? You know, no, that, like, that's, I'm not upset. why are you there? You know, you're there to I'm meet people upset. and have conversation, now, discuss your work and her, who you are. To her credit, Tracy Dolan apologized to me the next day. Oh, and okay. Maybe there and was something going on between them and it was. I, you still have time to say hello. No doubt. I mean, there's being just be polite, acknowledge, hello, be yeah. welcoming. So that one kind of sucked. But well, uh, I will say, I will say, I, I didn't have that exact experience. But when I went to Houston um, last year, I definitely ran into a little bit of this. Yeah, you know, like you know, the straight up like. Not mean girls in high school, but kind of like, you know, you don't really fit in here, that kind of thing. And I was just kind of like, I would find the right people. And you know what, who the right people were? You're going to love this. Experiencers. We would That's sit down at the table together and they'd be like, are you, you're an experiencer, aren't you? And I would be like, you know, I don't really talk about it, but yeah, I am. And so the experiencers, I call it the magnet effect now, because there's some type of knowing and I'm not sure if it's the caudate patamen intuitive thing. It could actually be where you feel this sensory feeling of um, easiness. It's easy. It's much easier. And so I did feel that at, in Houston at the Archives of the Impossible. I met a couple of people and I was like, all right, we're, you know, we're experiencers. And that was pretty cool. But there were other people that were like, nah, don't want to talk to you. Don't want to be around you. And I was like, all right, that's cool. I get it. You're part of the academic crowd. <laughs> I, just, I just, you know what? I'm not even mad at Sid Goldberg or or, or Richard Dolan about it. I it was more, it was more of a, it was more of a disappointment because here I'd looked up to these people, and the other person who upset me there was Paula Harris. Oh, 
so I introduced That's her. Interesting. So I introduced myself to her and I said, I'm speaking here. This is my first time. Oh, welcome. And all this kind of stuff. And I said, yeah, I would, I got a pretty, you know, quickly growing show and I'd never interviewed you. I'd love to get you on. And all of a sudden, Oh, hi, how you doing? Right. Yeah, I got to speak with you. You know, it was just like, so I, I remember asking like Lorian and, and, uh, and Melinda about that. They're like, Oh, that's just Paula. That's just Paula. So I was like, okay, whatever. It's interesting because I was in a group. I was in Grant's group actually when I after I met him and and we met via Zoom, not firsthand. We met, you know, via Zoom over the internet. And I was telling him about my experience or story, and I hadn't shared it with anybody yet. He was the first person I talked to outside of my family. And Grant was really supportive and just very kind and listened and was generous of his time. And so he brought me into a group. It was the Winnipeg group where there was experiencers in there. And Grant actually contacted me because he wanted to talk to me about a specific research area that I was undergoing at that time. And it was a synchronistic thing. And so when we talked, he was like, you need to be in this group. And so I was in this group and Sid was in there and Paola jumped in and I knew who Paola was, but I didn't necessarily know who Sid was. And so it was interesting because in that group, they were both very friendly very open, you know, very forthcoming, very warm and welcoming. But then I did have another experience with Paola where she was just basically like, talk to the hand kind of thing. It was a yeah. follow-up thing. And I was like, okay, you know, I know sometimes people are busy and they don't have time for stuff, but I always try to be polite and to some degree relatable and welcoming too, because I feel oh, like yeah. we're, all, we're all in this together and we're all... Yeah. You know, and, and, I want to be friends with everybody you can't be, you know, because sometimes you just can't be, but I try. I do try. Oh, I know. I get shit for it all the time. <laughs> well, the people that come near you that stick with you towards, you know, you know, when things get tough, they know that, you know, they're your real friends, your two friends. Oh, I, I, I love the people around me. I'm very fortunate. You are. You seem like you have really good people around you. And having Grant on tonight was kind of an affirmation of all that because he's one of the good ones. Yeah, he um, he's someone I uh, uh, I respect. And I will uh, and, and Grant knows that I, you know, like I've been in conversations with people on my Facebook page, YouTube, whatever, who just don't understand Grant. And they, you know, they think he's gone off the deep end or, or whatever. And, and the thing is Grant's research is so ahead of the curve that it's, um, <clears throat> how'd you put it? I would he's, say he's on another level. Yeah. You he's know, on he, a whole nother level. he really is on a whole nother level. That's a, <clears throat> a good way to put it. A very good way to put it. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that I was able to catch him tonight. Thanks for the you know, the invite to overlap with him. That was just spectacular. He's, you well, know, I think the world. I've had such, I've had such a terrible time, and then I got COVID on my way home, so I've been sick essentially for a week. But that wasn't my issue. I'm having terrible problems with, you know, power and other things. But I am going to order the power thing so that I can have a bank. Uh, of power so I can connect regardless of whether we're out or not. That's my genius idea. So we should be good. Well, I look forward to it. And yeah. I, I always yeah. appreciate you being here. And, uh, you know, it's, it's something where, um, 
you know what? We're building a really good team here on SOR with you and, and uh, you know, what's going on behind the scenes with, with everything. And I just think it's wonderful. I, I really do think it's a, a wonderful move to have you come on in and, and, uh, and, you know, the rest of the guys come on in that we could kind of rotate with each other. At, nice. at times. And, you know, um, Fresh my goal, my goal for 2024 is not to worry about a lot of the shit I was worrying about. That's Believe a good one. me, you know, and trust me when I say that, because it's, uh, you know, there is so much garbage in the UFO world today. It's really hard to even want to be associated with it at times because it always yeah. seems no matter what, you can never please anybody. Uh, you, you, there's always somebody who is, uh, um, you, it's just getting difficult. It really is getting difficult. Yeah. We got to bring the light, man. Mine, mine is, oh, you know, I've been down the rabbit hole now. And so I'm getting back to basics and I'm going back into just, you know, the service thing to help experiencers. So I'm going to do, I'm going to do an anomalous experience or group up here in Anchorage. I'm going to start at the first week of January. And so I'm getting back to my roots. It's just, you know, helping try to help and, in a, you know, in a, in a small way, you know, from what I've learned through all of this journey. It's been a silly journey. <laughs> journey that is just not yet complete. I've now, learned a lot. <laughs> I've learned a lot. <laughs> yes, I know the feeling. I when you know. get to talk to the hand sign, you know, take it in good stride and just say, thank you for showing me that. <laughs> right. right. I mean, yep. Thank you here, for showing me who you really are. I appreciate that. Here, here I am, you know, getting in trouble for asking questions about people. You know, so no trouble. No, like Gary Nolan said at the Soul Symposium, everything is good. Everything is all good. That's how he started off the whole thing to put people at ease, you know, of all the petty things and the problems and the issues and the backbiting. It's all good. It's all good. Everything is all good. And so we just need to keep doing that and walking our walk, standing tall. Yeah, we will. Yep. We will. Well, just thank you. Goes. Thank you. I'm so glad that we were able to connect. And you know what? Happy New Year's to you and your family. Happy New Year to you. And uh, we're going to say good night to our audience as well as uh, we go and sign off here for the final time of 2023. A big thank you tonight to Big Dog, W. Decker, Debster, Lori, Jennifer, Trot Dog, Maddie times two, T Bone times two, I believe. And Louie times two, Marty, Thomas, Gizmo times two, uh, Meaty Toes, uh, Human Carl, actually Gizmo times three, uh, Steam Train Mark in Australia, Eli, and Timothman and his goatee. And uh, we will talk to you next Wednesday because I believe Monday is, let me check our calendar here. Uh, let's go to 2024. Uh, we'll talk to you Monday, Courtney, if you're good. Okay. January 1st. And uh, our guest that night will be Jim Goodall. 
Jim Goodall. And you might hear old Jimmy on, uh, on uh, as Rob will be doing a New Year's Eve show uh, live for you guys. So if you have nothing planned, nothing to do, you're sitting around having a drink at home on New Year's, Sweet Robbie G and After Hours will be live. Will be live. And, uh, yeah. So check it on out. Otherwise, I will talk to you all next year. Courtney, much love. Much Happy love to you, We'll see you. Happy New Year. We'll see you next week. Absolutely. And see you guys. Have, please be safe. We want to see you all of you back for 2024. Good night. my friend you too you need bail money give me a call always dad take care (laughs) you too that's this week's episode of the paranormal ufo consciousness podcast i'm your host grant cameron hoping that you will join me for upcoming episodes links to my youtube interviews books and my facebook sites are in the show notes if you love the podcast or learn something valuable We'd love for you to subscribe, rate, or give a review on today's episode. If you would like a certain paranormal subject dealt with in the future, please let us know. Until next time, watch this space, and thank you so much for listening.